Welcome to the Unshamed Podcast. This is a space where we talk openly about topics that are typically seen as taboo in casual conversation. We want to remove barriers for people to share their stories without fear. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Unshamed Podcast. I'm your host, Katie Edgman. And um, thank you guys for listening. Unshamed is sponsored by Zoe Community. And Zoe Community is an organization where we equip and empower people to support women in crisis pregnancy. And today we have a very special episode about um, something that we don't talk about a whole lot, but it's the shame of asking for help. Um, In the Irish context, asking for help can be uh, a really big deal, something you don't want to do, something you're really reluctant to do because of about all the stuff we're going to talk about um, in a minute. But um, here with me today is Judith Moore Curtis. Judith is uh, one of the leaders of a church in Dublin called St. Mark's South. And um, Judith does a ton of things, um, including some care for the community, um, as well as teaching and just various other duties in the church. Judith, how do we know each other? We go so far back. For for me, it's far back. It is far back. Yeah. I think one of our trips to America, you and Blake kindly opened your home. Although I think Blake had only briefly met Des here in I Dublin don't... on a short stop trip. Yes. Before. I think that's when Blake had kind of felt that maybe the Lord was leading him to Dublin. Yeah. And we got to stay in your home overnight and yeah. borrow your car, I think, was it? Or something, something like that. that. Yeah, that was or... the first time we met. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I um, meeting you. I think you still had um, braces on your teeth. At Probably. The time. Yes, yeah. I did. <laughs> anyway, that was like a while back. Yeah. So we met then and then we moved to Ireland and then Des, okay, so her husband is Des. Des actually was the one who picked us up from the airport. On St. Patrick's on Day. On St. Patrick's Day. So weird that that happened. And then he brought us to your house. He, he brought, brought you to, to the, the great parade. <laughs> parade first, the best parade that he could bring you to in Ireland. <laughs> lots of bin trucks. Lots of bin trucks. Lots of guys. Or so there was one guy dressed up in a, a Kermit the Frog suit where his butt crack was showing. Lovely. Yeah, it was great. And uh, so, yeah, he brought us straight, no, straight to Dunn's for breakfast. Oh, of course. Because that was like the pinnacle. Yeah brought us there and then the Greystones parade so we really got the full like experience and then to your house that's right and my family I think were there because we've yes. been come down for lunch on Patrick's uh-huh. Day so you really were thrown know, we straight were like, in hey, straight off the plane and into Irish culture <laughs> I know so and then um we stayed Carrageedan that night and Carrageedan is a what would you describe that like so at the time it was a Christian retreat center uh-huh. um right there on the Irish Sea as well so yeah. you really were getting the full it the was. full deal I remember lying there and one of the, like we were in a room with like two little twin beds and I was crying like, what are we doing here? Like, it's like, it's fine. I'm like, we've moved to another country. Man, here we are 10 years later and still here, still still thriving. (laughs) Still here, it's home. Oh, but anyway, um, I think the reason why I immediately, pretty much immediately thought of you for this topic was because working with the church, working with the community, you're going to end up needing help and you're going to end up running into people who need help. It's mm-hmm. like, because church community is in Christian circles, we call this pastoral care, something that we do. Like we call it community care. That's yeah. like a good way of describing it. It's hard to describe pastoral care because it really doesn't exist outside, outside of church. church. Yeah. So, but that's kind of the idea of people helping other people yeah. who aren't their close friends or family members. It's kind of a strange concept, yeah. but we do it in church all the time. So because you would have that 
background, I was like, I definitely need to ask Judith, um, you know, what she thinks about all this. I thought it was based on the fact that you know I'm a terrible person for asking for help <laughs> and that I might have some insight in, in the why. <laughs> Good. We'll be, in the, we'll be in the club together because I I feel like sometimes I, I, um, I don't know, and I'm coming from an outsider's perspective, not from the, this culture. Um, from my perspective, <clears throat> I see asking for help here as almost like a sin you know like you don't make a fuss you don't disturb the waters you don't um rock the boat yeah and asking for help is definitely rocking the boat or appearing needy or whatever um okay you're nodding like this is true (laughs) great big no don't appear needy (laughs) so irish culture asking for help what is Please teach me what is going on here. Well, I, I don't know if I can speak for the whole culture, okay. but certainly say even within my own family, I joke about this on the regular with my cousin, who's almost like a sister to me, where we kind of partly raised together, but we do be like, what is wrong with us? Why are we always, don't make a fuss, my head is hanging off, but it's okay, just put me in a chair. Um, and it's really hard to put your finger on the why, but you know, even as you're saying there from your outsider perspective, that that's a more general Irish um, trait mm-hmm. and I think even as you're talking about opening up your podcast there on the topic of shame that maybe it's linked to that and uh, maybe it's linked to our insecurity as a nation who were colonized to have always had somebody who knew mm. better or could do better or it certainly felt that way maybe it's even traits of that and mm. um, it's traits of maybe reacting to that where it's like I don't need you I can be independent um, so really, I can only speak, I suppose, from a personal perspective mm. and being looking back. What am I now? 43. You become, you know, kind of um, philosophical in your older age where you're trying to reflect on why do I react this way? Mm. Um, you reach a point in your life where you peruse things and, and look for the reasons. And I suppose as a child growing up um, and looking at my mom um, some of the inherent things you would have picked up was be strong, be independent, don't lean on people because then they won't be there when you need them. And that's not as a criticism to my mom. I think that was the general feeling. Um, and so there's a sense of pride in being able to be independent, in not needing mm. other people to hold you up or to... Um, and it, it, it's such a dichotomy because then on the other hand, the Irish are such a nation of community and looking out for each other and caring for each other. And we love to do it. Mm-hmm. But you walk this fine line or you dance this fine dance of, well, it's OK for me to give that to people. Yep. But heaven forbid I might allow somebody to give it to me or mm-hmm. to receive it. And so I think that the strongest battle is that sense of independence. And perhaps particularly even as women in Ireland, there's more of a sense of I need to stand on my own two feet. Mm. I need to be able to do, you know, to have my independence and not be dependent. Um, yeah. Some of it. Yeah, I mean... I, it's funny how um, hundreds of years of history almost influences people's mm-hmm. personal choices. Isn't that funny? Yeah. In every culture, you see that. But here, like, you see that a lot with um, appearing like you're doing great, mm-hmm. appearing like everything's fine. Like, you would say, I'm grand. It's, your grand, arm, it's, it's grand, grand. It's grand. But you're like, you're, yeah, your arm could be falling off yeah. pretty much. There is the um, that ad, that Aldi ad. Remember the one that, okay, so there's the, it's, it was, they were trying to sell Irish products and, um, 
there was, a, okay, I can't believe I'm describing an ad on the oh podcast, God. but um, it was this scene of a barbecue and the guy was sitting there at the barbecue, but of course flooded in smoke. Oh, that's right. Like, yeah, I yeah, remember. And everyone was like, oh, Des, you know, same as Des, get up, get up, you know, just move down. It's fine. And um, he was like, no, no, I'm fine. I'm grand. You know, everything's fine. And meanwhile, his eyes are getting red. Yeah. He's tearing up. He's crying, all this. And so it was It was what it means to be Irish. Yeah. And that was one of the scenes. And you're like, God, that is so true. Yeah. Um, because God forbid that anyone move you know yeah. like don't they, cause a fuss i mean that, fuss. that is the mantra of my childhood yeah. <laughs> don't cause a fuss um, i remember a very early memory of being at the dentist mm. and uh i was terrified as most children are going to the dentist and i went in you know they did the injection to numb your mouth which was really painful yeah. so i'd let out a yelp oh. and the immediate response was don't make a fuss you're going to scare the other children and so the constant was um you know downplay everything and and be kind of melt into the background and don't mm. and so I suppose that becomes instinctive then yeah. um and that I there's, so there's there's those two factors there's a sense of wanting to be independent and there's a sense of don't cause a scene don't right. cause a fuss which is very Irish oh yeah because uh what is the saying the tallest blade of grass gets chopped off first right so like sticking out of the crowd being different being unique I have no hope here but like <laughs> sticking, being unique and different means uh oh let's go get them yeah you know and if they're weird or doing something not yeah. normal then that's like a big no-no and I think there's also a sense a twisted sense of <laughs> Our empathy being entwined in that too, where you don't want to be a burden mm. to people. You know, you don't want to be the one that's maybe bringing someone down you, if you're trying to talk about things that are heavy issues or mm -hmm. causing someone to go out of their way for you. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a, it's a self-devaluation and it's also a, I don't want to put them out. I don't want to cause mm. a fuss. You know, um, there's, there's just so many facets to it. And once you start looking at it, you just notice more and more and more. Mm. Um, but, and yet Ireland has such a rich history of being a community that take care takes care of each other. If you think of an, <clears throat> excuse me, if you think of a funeral situation mm -hmm. or a sudden death or an emergency tragedy in a family, mm -hmm. the first thing Irish th people will do is to bring a meal. Oh, yeah. You know, knock on the door, bring a dinner. Um, mm -hmm. I remember another American friend who was involved closely with a family um, and a young guy had died. And he said, I'd never seen so many people just traipse through a house, open the fridge, put a dinner in and leave. Mm -hmm. No need to sit me down and offer me tea. I'm just here to give you your mm -hmm. dinner. Um, and so there's that, as I said all, earlier, that fine line between um, a heart to care and a heart so full of compassion and mm -hmm. wanting to help others married with, I don't want to cause a fuss. I don't want to cause a scene. Yeah, it's true. And it's, it's the landscape of Ireland's changing now because you've got people who are used to that way mm -hmm. and people who are used to each other. And then you have new people coming in yeah. who are like, have no idea of the culture and they come from different places and they're used to different things and all this. And so you've got the smelting pot yes. happening. And so, um, and yeah, and people are, and, and it's true, though, too, like even not even people coming from other cultures, other Irish people moving around and yes. living in different places. So people are more separated, I think, than Definitely. ever before. And so they find themselves like I, I have a friend who lives nearby, but her parents live on the other side of the country yeah. and her with young kids. She doesn't have like her crew around yeah. her. So she would have major problems in her life, but nobody coming through the door with a dinner because yeah. she doesn't have her click her group yeah. with her yeah. and so it always makes me think about you know 
like how to the, for those of us who want to help strangers or want to help people we're not super close with, how do we go about doing that without being weird? Mm -hmm. And how do they ask for help? You know, um, we get, we think about all all the time with crisis pregnancy and even like post-abortion, like how you feel after that. Um, I really got thinking about this once I came and tell a story. So when was this? Oh, this was last year. I was over at the post office and I, I had a bunch of boxes to mail. Like it was like 10 boxes a ton. And I didn't think about, um, buying the postage online already and sticking them and just bringing them. So I had, they had to weigh and stamp each individual box, but I, like it's a small post office, <laughs> so I walked in there with all my boxes. You could see the lady rolling yeah, her eyes. Yeah, she was delighted. Yeah, to see you. she was like, "Oh god," you know. And so I brought all my boxes, and my cheeks started to get red because I could see the queue forming out the door <laughs> behind me. And I, you had no choice. I had to just keep going, and we were just we were already there. Let's just do it. And she points behind me. She gestures and she goes, "Oh, look at the queue that you're you're making there. Look at what you're doing." And I was like, oh, no. And so finally got done, hung my head, tail between my legs, left the post office. And I saw I had to walk past, walk a shame past all the people who I had caused inconvenience to. And um, I just I thought about it like so deeply. You never you you think about things like that. And I was like, wow, this is like a really good representation of somebody who's in crisis pregnancy, Mm -hmm. but decides to um, for whatever reason, they have trouble with it. They decide to stay pregnant or they get termination and then they have issues after mm-hmm. that. You know, it's like you're causing a fuss. You're causing a scene yes. by asking for help. And how how much, I mean, on a minuscule scale, that's kind of like that a little bit. Yeah. Um, because you're asking the community for something very difficult. If you mm-hmm. decide to stay pregnant and have the baby, that's like... 18 years of people coming around you and supporting you in in a much more um, intense way than they had before. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a huge deal. Yeah. We need to, you know, it's one of those things that we need to be aware of, like how it's okay, Judith, Mm -hmm. let's talk. Let's, let's get all the answers right now. (laughs) (laughs) No pressure. (laughs) No pressure. Like how do we do like little things that, could encourage someone to know, okay, I'm a safe person for you to ask for help. Like, okay, how do you approach somebody if you need to ask for help? How can they make you feel better? Well, I suppose if you're talking about me, it's to play it down as much Mm -hmm. as possible. But Mm -hmm. um, I think we can't get away from it being based in relationship, particularly Mm -hmm. within an Irish context. Um, You know, I think I'm I'm definitely going to be more inclined to go to somebody I know personally or that somebody personal has recommended if it's a more intense requirement say a counsellor or something like that Mm -hmm. I'm definitely going to pursue somebody that's been recommended by somebody I trust Mm -hmm. so I think for I suppose it's probably worldwide but definitely within an Irish context Mm -hmm. that's where you're going to be coming from and so relationship is key so even in the church setting that we're working in it's a long haul of building that relationship so that people feel, no, I know that they're sound and I know that they're solid mm-hmm. and I know that when they say they will help, they will help is mm-hmm. number one. Yeah. And also that when they say they will help, it won't be told to the whole world right. because that's a huge other issue. Oh, I think definitely. a lot of times for people is that sense of, can I trust you? Mm. 
with pursuing this help because I definitely don't want the whole street knowing that I wasn't able to make dinner tonight or that I needed a babysitter or that I was struggling um, and so trust can only come in relationship um, yeah, and it's true. not that we have you know I can't make a relationship with the whole world but if I'm building a strong trust situation with one person and then they encounter someone who has a need that they feel I know who would be good for you to talk mm. to um you know, and that, so the relationship extends beyond me and that first person to them going to the second person to be able to to advise. Mm-hmm. This is a safe place that you can go to. Yeah. Um. So I think I always find that that's key in any aspect, mm-hmm. whether that's in a work environment, a charity mm-hmm. environment, a church environment, mm-hmm. or even just in friendships. Mm-hmm. Um. I can't expect somebody to come to me and ask for help if they don't yeah. have any foundation. Right. Of a relationship or trust. That's true. Or if they don't see you asking for help occasionally. Mm -hmm. That's something that I had been thinking of recently because like in our line of work, we want to help people, you know, but I'm, I was struck with the realization of, do I ask for help from other people? Am I showing an example of asking for help? Because people I think feel better about it Mm -hmm. and less weird about it. If they see, if they say, if they see you going, hand up I need some help can you guys come around and help me um that needs to happen absolutely um I know like when um we had the miscarriage with Zoe back in 2015 you and Des were like the first ones to pop out and be like hey let's take Eden you know um like I was in the hospital still getting over the DNC. You guys scooped him up and he, he had no idea anything was wrong. Yeah. He sat, I think Des said he farted in his car all day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, he had a great time. And um, like that is real community. You guys stepped in. We had a friend. So when I had to go to the hospital, it was kind of an emergency. She left with the clothes on her back and just came to the house. Yeah. No questions asked. Just came over, took Eden. Um, we had another friend when I left the hospital. She took the bus down from Limerick and stayed with us a couple yeah. days. And I mean, that's just, and you guys aren't family, but you just did it. Yeah. That's like, that's pure example of like the pastoral care that the community, community based care that I think, especially with people living away from family and living away from their immediate circle, yeah. like, it's so refreshing to see that actually happen. Super refreshing. Yeah. So. And I think sometimes even with the, you know, how do we help people ask for help or how do we help people who maybe aren't asking for help, but we see mm. a need. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can get yourself over burdened with I have to fix it yes. you know like that Katie's had a miscarriage how awful mm. how can I make her whole life better mm. I can't Mm-mm. and sometimes you have to come to terms with that and go look at the what can I do yeah as opposed to what I can't One fix I can't make it any better in your head and heart mm-hmm. but I can take your child for a couple of hours yeah. and give you some headspace <laughs> yeah. and I think that's it that's a big learning curve for people as well who mm-hmm. particularly when you have a heart Um, of compassion or a heart to help Mm -hmm. sometimes you become overwhelmed by the task and think you have to take it all on Mm. I have to solve all the problems I have to be everything to this person where actually the smaller practical steps can be easier to receive Mm -hmm. and then may give an inroad to you know so if I'm if it's if it's us again just for an example and I'm coming to take Eden and Mm -hmm. I might just say how are you doing Mm mm-hmm and you might not be ready to talk then, mm. but the next time I take him, you might go, actually, I'd love to have a chat. Yeah, you know, yeah. and, and those uh-huh. are the opportunities that open up. Yeah, um, for sure. Because again, that's building the trust of this is a genuine person. Yeah. You know, they're, they're coming. Um, and I loved what you said about the idea of us as the leaders, in inverted commas, mm-hmm. 
exemplifying that Mm -hmm. and and being willing to ask for help and being willing to be vulnerable. And that's something that I've really had to learn Mm -hmm. in my role um, in leading a church, because you have this assumption wherever it comes from. Well, I need to be the one who has it all together and Mm -hmm. I need to do all the things all the time and (laughs) be this superhero. Uh Um, And I think sometimes even as as mothers, we have that idea too. Mm-hmm. have to be all things to all people at all times, all available time. 24-7 <laughs> and always in a positive stride, skipping my step. Um, but it, it's important to learn to make yourself vulnerable to go, I just, could you just give me an hour? Could I just like go to the toilet without somebody yeah, hanging seriously. on the door? Oh, um, but yeah, being willing to be vulnerable in that way and say, it would be great if you could help me with this. Yeah. And I mean, you know, there are certain people, like you're mentioning people who have a giving heart and mm-hmm. want to help and might be overwhelmed with they you know how there are certain people who just seem to help all the time yeah and you might be one of those people I'm talking to our listeners you might be one of those people you feel like oh I'm helping all the time all the time um there are if you are out there and you're like huh I don't really help anybody you know what maybe now's the time to look yeah. around and see those people who are always helping because i think it it does take all of us yes not just a few people Absolutely. doing all the things mm-hmm. um because you know some people thrive in that environment they thrive giving and helping but you know we all have limits and yeah. we all have we have to say no yes. to things and for people to be able to own their no there are there have to be people out there who own their yes yeah and so there just has to be a balance of everyone sort of helping out yeah um and it's finding what you can do yeah because you you may not be a counselor you may not Mm -mm. maybe kids isn't your thing but anybody can cook a dinner or send a voucher or i love Mm -hmm. um i follow a lady on instagram sharon mcmahon Mm -hmm. sharon says so and her kind of mantra um is do what you can do you know don't get overwhelmed by i have to save the world or i have Mm -hmm. that's not my thing or i'm not that person but what's within your vicinity that you can do right now you know Mm -hmm. could you go to the shops for somebody could you help them pay a bill online you Mm -hmm. know whether it's whatever facet of your community Mm -hmm. Um, and I do think in in our modern society there's a need to find that community again true you know that willingness to to reach out and to receive yeah Um, and I suppose even from behalf of the people who find it hard to receive to even learn to be gracious yeah in the okay maybe I don't really want help with that but this person's you know, <laughs> stepped over the line. They yeah. they put themselves in an embarrassing situation. Yeah. I'll just take the help for the sake of. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah, totally. that, that sometimes it's just a graciousness, and I think that would have been one of my big struggles was to to because it was Des, my husband, really challenged me, going, "It's not always about you. It doesn't matter whether you need that thing or don't need that yeah. thing. How huge was it for that person to yeah. come, to text, to knock on the door, to give a call? Seriously, just receive it. Big and, deal. And yeah. that was a huge like switch on the light moment for me to go wow it's not always about me (laughs) (laughs) you know maybe that person took huge effort to come and offer that help so we never think about the other person do we we always think about oh my gosh this makes me look so needy yes oh my gosh this (laughs) makes me look oh no no but really we're thinking about we have to think about oh the person took the time to cook this or whatever or drive over and it's a huge deal so he's so right oh my gosh I'm and I mean not to the point of putting yourself under further duress (laughs) but it's just I think my personality type was always focused like you say on oh I'm embarrassed or Mm -hmm. they think I'm needy or they think I'm this and just flipping the switch flipping the perspective and being maybe Mm -hmm. this was a big brave step for that person that would be nice to just say thanks for that yeah Yeah. community or being in community teaches us about all this because 
if you're not, if you're isolated, you're giving and receiving help. I was thinking of Joey Trivianic to give and receive or whatever he said. (laughs) But giving and receiving help is so – it can be like – you feel rusty once yes. you get in community and you start going, oh, wait, uh, you know, exercising those muscles a little bit. Yeah. Um, but, okay, so weirdly back to that commercial with the the guy, the Aldi ad. So um, when I was thinking about that Aldi ad, I was thinking, okay, what could the group do to help this guy who's sitting at the table covered with barbecue smoke? And they're telling him they could scooch down, he could scooch over here. But I'm like, if they just move the table like yeah. a foot, yeah. he would be fine. Yeah. But it would mean everybody would have to get up out of their seat and take a little part of the table and move it um, just for Des. Yeah. And it kind of is a huge, um, when you think about what it takes sometimes for somebody with a really massive problem, mm-hmm. sometimes it takes the entire group yeah. getting up and moving the table a little yeah. bit so they can have a seat at the table. Yeah. Um, because making sure one person has a seat is just as important as everybody else around the table. Um, so yeah, I guess if you're that person who needs a seat or needs to be out of the smoke, so to speak, um, find a safe person, you know, to talk to a safe person. You think that safe person could be like a catalyst to other people in the group. Um, like, okay, I'm looking at this jar of marbles. That's right here on the table. Crinkle bag. Um, so this jar of marbles, we had done um, a podcast episode recently about the marble jar. And do you know about the marble jar analogy or no? Okay, I'll, I'll say sure. it again. Because you're saying you keep talking about people you trust, people you trust. So Brene Brown does this analogy about um, everybody has a jar of marbles, theoretically. Right. And um, so the marbles represent trust, um, having get, given or taken trust. Um and when you're with someone who you know they can keep your secrets, mm-hmm. they know that you're reliable, that you do what you say you're going to do, they add marbles to your yeah. jar. And if you're with someone for a long enough time and look down and your jar is full of marbles, mm-hmm. you know that person is a trustworthy person. If you look down and see no marbles left in your jar, someone's taking them by <clears throat> breaking confidence, yeah. sharing your story, not being faithful and all that, um, those are not your marbles. So she says, know your marbles. Right. And so that's why we keep the jar in the office to kind of remind that we want to be marble people. Yeah. So find your marbles, find your people you can trust. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have anything else to add to that? Um, no, I don't think so. Yeah, <laughs> I think um, we covered covered yeah. lots there in in that little bit of time. But did. yeah, it's just that idea that <clears throat> sometimes we have an expectation of the person in need to reach out for help, um, but it can be so much easier if the hand's already extended. You know, if someone knows that the hand is there, mm-hmm. and, and and for those who are looking to help, that it may be declined. Yeah, several times, and that's no reflection on you. No, um, a lot of the time, that's about the person in need, mm. whether their moment has come to be able to acknowledge that need or mm. to be allow themselves to be vulnerable. Um, and I think it's just important to say to the carers, keep extending the hand. Yes, and to say to those who are feeling in need and feeling isolated, to look for the hand. Yeah, you know, in that sense of there, there are always people um who who are there and willing and so it's just looking for where's that safe hand and what's the hand I can hold because the hand that's extended to me may not feel safe to you Mm -hmm. um and so it's finding as as we've said (laughs) repeatedly that that place of trust that Mm -hmm. place where you feel safe Mm. um to be vulnerable and to ask for that help yeah it's almost like asking for tea in Ireland or 
accepting the offer of tea. Like if you're at a stranger's house versus somebody you know. Yeah. Somebody you know, like you almost just go make the tea yourself. Catch it on yourself, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you'll accept it pretty pretty soon after yeah. being offered. But a stranger, you're new in the house, or it's real like there's that etiquette. Yes. You can't accept it Decline right away. Decline for two. Decline two for requests. two. And then the third one you can reluctantly accept. <laughs> even if you're parched, even if you just come from the desert and you're dying, no, you don't accept you the first time ever. We learned that the hard way through a lot of interactions. Somebody was like, would you like tea? And we were like, yeah. And they're like, oh, well, aren't you just... <laughs> So How very American of you. Very American. <laughs> and then people would come to our house and they would be like, oh, no, thanks. And we'd be like, all right. <laughs> and they get no tea. <laughs> and they're like, oh, but I really wanted it. So, yeah, no, it's the um, becoming becoming friends, mm-hmm. being showing that you can be a trustworthy person. Yeah. Yeah. And finding your yeah. tribe, isn't that the thing? Like the yeah. community sense um, and either being those people of community or mm-hmm. um finding that place of right community. and it can be really daunting to find that community mm-hmm. so like i guess it's the ta- uh, it's our task as people who are like in community stuck in have yeah. friends to find just notice yeah just be aware of somebody who maybe like is new here doesn't really have many friends just maybe seems a little isolated yeah but sometimes we have to stick our head out of our own butt sometimes that, and like look around that's you know it. that's it yeah well judith thank you for chatting thanks and for inviting me like seriously i love all the ideas and the cool stuff but um anyway you guys um if you want to chat more about this if you feel like you have ideas on asking for help giving help um anything on that general vein, send us a message. Um, you can also email us at unshamed at zoecommunity.ie. Um, and until next time, keep living unshamed. Thanks for listening to Unshamed. If you like this podcast and want others to be able to easily find it, like, subscribe, and share to your social media. You can find us everywhere you like to listen to podcasts. If you want to send us a message, email us at unshamed at zoecommunity.ie.